Well, good morning. Good morning. Glad you guys are joining us. For those of you who do not know, my name is Sean Bitzer. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are getting back into the book of Matthew. So if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Matthew 12. You can get it on the app. Uh, you can get the Bible app and go to Matthew 12. If not, all the relevant text is going to be right here, which brings me to this graphic here. This ever been you? Like, let's be honest, this is all of us at some point, right? Some of us, don't mention any names because you're probably sitting next to them. Some of us, this is us a lot more often than not. Just completely missing the point altogether. I feel like I should just have this as a sticker that I can just hand to people when I'm trying to tell them a story. Which maybe says something more about my storytelling skills than about the people who are listening. Today, and we run the risk. I just want to give you this heads up here. We run the risk of being these people as we look to Matthew 12. Completely missing the point of what Matthew's trying to tell us. So, so let's look. Let's look at Matthew 12, verse 22. If you have a Bible, Matthew 12, verse 22. Let's look at it. And, and then I, 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 want to, I want to try and redirect our hearts and our minds so that we don't miss the point that Matthew's trying to make to us in this story. It's one that should cut into our hearts. He, he says this, when they brought him a demon, they brought him a, then they brought him, I can read, trust me, then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. Now, here's the deal. That's amazing. Can we all agree for a moment? That's amazing. Jesus, they brought Jesus, a man who was demon-possessed and blind and mute, and Jesus healed him. Is that not amazing? Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Like, don't miss this for a moment. This is an amazing thing that happens here. But here's the other thing that happens here. This is actually the shortest recorded healing, in single healing in all the Gospels. Matthew barely spends half a verse because the healing's not the point. Don't miss the point, okay? Don't be that guy, whoosh, just right over the top of your head. Don't miss the point. This is not what Matthew wants us to see. Matthew's simply setting up a story because he wants us to see something different. And there's a risk, even in this moment, seeing this incredible thing. Even if we read the rest of the verses, there's a chance we're going to miss the point that Matthew's trying to tell us. So keep your eyes open. Here we go. Let's read this. Let's continue reading. It says verse 23 and verse 24. All the people were astonished. Wouldn't you be? Demon-possessed dude, can't talk, can't see. Astonished. Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince fellow drive by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. This is another phrase that they would have used for Satan, as we might call him, or the devil that we might call him. It's only by him that this fellow drives. Act of God. When you see God do incredible things, you can respond in one of two ways. You can respond as the crowd, or you can respond as the critic. This is what Matthew wants us to see. 
A, a bunch of people who see an incredible thing happen right in front of their very eyes. Don't miss this. In any of their responses, right in front of their eyes. They didn't hear about it on Facebook. They didn't, they didn't see a post. They didn't watch an Instagram live story. They didn't hear from, a, from another friend. They saw with their very own eyes. And when you see an act of God, you can respond in one of two ways. As the crowd or the critic. Now, now look back at verse 23. Look at what the, what, the, what the crowd says. They say this. All the people were astonished. Amazed. Astounded. Matthew, Matthew's a really incredible storyteller. Just this beautifully gifted storyteller. And so one of the things he does is when he wants you to notice something, he uses language differently. And this word right here, astonished, is only used once in all the Bible. Did you know the Bible's big? There are lots of words in there. This is the only time that this word that's in the original language in the Greek is used. And it's a word picture. The idea is to put something in the wrong place. You put some, a lot of you guys are really good at that, or at least your spouse thinks you're really good at that, right? Putting something in the wrong place. This is the word picture. The people, we might say it this way. Here's maybe a better way. Uh, all the people didn't have a category for what they just saw. Uh, that, that's what they're trying. Uh, they, they didn't even have a way to place it. They didn't even have a category to put what they just seen. They were astonished. They were astounded. They were amazed. They were amazed, and it prodded along this question the crowd had been asking uh, in our following for chapters, maybe for months, maybe for years, maybe a question you're asking, who, who, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Like, incredible, astound. the guy was blind and mute and demon-possessed, and it seems effortlessly Jesus heals him. And they just don't have a category for it. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's you. Prodding along this question, trying to navigate and trying to figure out who is this Jesus? What is this whole church thing about? What is this Jesus stuff all about? And maybe, maybe there are times where people tell you things and you see things happen and you just don't have a category for it. Maybe, maybe someone's told you one time that they were healed. That they were healed, and you just, you just don't have a category that God healed them from. They had this disease, or they had cancer, or they had this ailment, and God healed them. And you just don't have a category. You don't even have a place to put it in all your compartments in your brain. Maybe, maybe someone told you that they started tithing, which literally means to give 10% to God. They started giving 10% of their money to God, and it actually led to more financial freedom, financial joy, that they had more peace around their finances, and it actually was part of what led them to be debt-free. And, and you look, and you don't have a category, because how would you give away more money, be more generous, and yet you end up feeling more confident and comfortable about your, your finances, and it just you just don't have a, a, a category for it. Maybe... Maybe someone was telling you a story about their marriage that had been wrecked by betrayal. But because of the grace and mercy of Jesus, God's healed and restored their marriage. And you just don't have a category for it. Just don't have a place to put it. Maybe, maybe it's when you see things like um, I saw a friend of mine's a pastor up in Portland, um, up on the southeast side of Portland where the fires got pretty close this last week. 
And um, <clears throat> yesterday they got a call from the county, and the county asked them if they would be a, a temporary shelter for those who are evacuating. And, and um, within two hours, not a big church, not a big church, a relatively small church, within two hours they had 76 volunteers at the church ready to help, and they'd raise $25,000 in two hours for a bunch of strangers they didn't know. And, and, and maybe it's those kind of, we just go, I, like, I don't even know what to do with that. Maybe it's when you see a church fill a trailer full of diapers to take to a state agency to give away to a bunch of strangers they've never met. Maybe it's when you see a church that spends, uh, that, 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 that brings in donations and collects donations and collects school supplies to be able to give away to hundreds of, of families in our, in our community, some who are actually cutting their own school supply budget so that they can help provide for strangers they've never met or never know. And you just don't have a, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's not, that, maybe it's a sunset. Maybe you stand on a vista and you look out at something and you just, there's something in you that just says, I don't even know what to do with this. Maybe it's the birth of a child. And you hold a child and you just go, I don't, I don't even know what to, maybe, maybe you're studying like the, the biological development of the human eye and you just go, I don't, I don't even know what to do. This is, this is the crowd. You, you see, when, when you see God do things, you have two options. When you see God do things in other people, you can either respond like the crowd, astonished, amazed, astounded, that prod you forward to ask this question, who is this Jesus? And if that's you, man, we want to encourage you to continue to ask that question, who is this Jesus? What is this whole thing about? Then there's another crowd. There's another group of people. We call them the Pharisees. Well, they called them the Pharisees too. That was their name. That they were Pharisees. Uh, you, and again, with the Pharisees, don't miss this. This is just the ridiculous, crazy thing. They saw Jesus heal a man, and you know how they responded? With critique. You can either respond as the crowd or as the critic. Look, look again at those two verses. Look again at Matthew 23 and 24. Look at what they said. When the Pharisees heard this, they said... It's only by the devil that they do this. That this fellow drives out demons. They see God do an incredibly grace-filled, kind, and compassionate thing to a broken human being. And the way they respond is with criticism. They claim he's possessed by the devil. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get into that next week. We're gonna talk about this really fun subject. Maybe you've been around the church world and you've heard about. Um, there's this this passage that we're gonna look at next week that uh, is often referred to as the uh, the unforgivable sin. And oh, I'm excited, not at all. So we're gonna talk about that next week. But you see. Their claim is that Jesus is actually, um, instead of the Holy Spirit, instead of God working through Jesus, that's actually Satan working through Jesus to heal this man. Now get this, and this is super important. They don't criticize Jesus because of what he did. They criticize how he did it. Look Look at how Jesus responds. It says this, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul or Satan, 
By whom do your sons cast them out? See, they're caught. See, the problem is, is that the Pharisees in Jesus' day, not just the Pharisees, but in all of Jewish culture, had developed this, this um, normalcy of casting out demons. Now, it's really hard to unwind historically how much of it was like real casting out demons, how much of it was elementary medical stuff, how much of it was the Jewish faith mixed in with pagan sorcery. And, and that's not really what we're here to, to, to talk about, but to see is that there were people who under the authority of the Pharisees cast out demons. The criticism of the Pharisees is not what Jesus did, but how he did it. That he didn't do it under their authority. He didn't do it their way. He didn't do it with their permission. Isn't, isn't that the criticism most of the time? It, it's, not, it's not, well, I, I really would not like to see people get saved. I really don't want people to go to heaven. I, I, really, I really don't want people to get fed. I really don't want people to get cared for. I really don't want people to have compassion. It's that they don't do it the way that we think they should, that we criticize. Maybe here's a good thought. When you become the gatekeeper for things that are outside your jurisdiction, you've missed the point. I'm regularly asked, let me explain it this way, I'm regularly asked um, by people, regularly, I mean, probably every other week somebody asks me, hey, Sean, hey, Sean, uh, what, what do you think about that church? What, what do you think about what they're doing? What do you think about what they're doing in their state with whatever they're responding to this government thing or this social issue? What do you think about this ministry or that thing? And here's my response. Every single time you ask me the question, it's just a blanket email. It'll come to the same thing. It's copy and pasted. I'll send you the same thing. So don't even ask me the question. It's this. You ready? We'll save all of ourselves a lot of time in this moment. I'm not going to be held accountable for what that church does. I'm going to be held accountable for what God has entrusted me as the overseer for. And in that moment, in this moment, and for this time, it's this church. It's kind of like um, after Jesus rose from the dead, uh, John and Peter are like, two of the top disciples with Jesus. Like, they're the MVPs of the discipleship class. They graduated first in their class, which wasn't hard when you listen to some of the things that Peter said, okay? They graduated top of their class, okay? And so this is after Jesus rose from the dead, and Peter's back there wandering around because, you know, Peter opened his mouth, and he denied Jesus three times, and he's walking, and John asked him this question. He, he asked Jesus, he says, Jesus, do, don't you care about what Peter's doing? Do you see him over there? What are you going to do about Peter? Jesus, Jesus, what about, what about him? And you know what Jesus says to him? He says this in John 20. If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. If Jesus hasn't put you in authority over it, it ain't yours to worry about. You follow me. See, in this story... What, Peter, what Matthew wants us to see is the two responses of the two crowds. One astounded and one criticizes. But there's a third response. There's a third response. And, and, and his silence should just blare as like a foghorn in our muddled reality. It's the man Jesus healed. You know, you can only question or critique when you're not the one who's cured. The, 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 the man who was healed, the man who, who the demon was cast out of and who, whose mouth was open and he could speak, whose eyes were open so that he could see, he didn't come to Jesus and go, Jesus, under whose authority did you do this? 
I'd like, I'd like, I'd like to see your authorization papers. Right? You see, there are actually three crowds in that day. There's the crowd who responds astounded. There's the, there's the Pharisees who respond with criticism. And there's the healed man who's forever changed. You see, we have a choice each day. We can either choose to watch what God is doing in other people's lives from a distance and respond as the crowd, maybe shocked and odd, maybe asking questions like, oh, who is this? Or maybe, maybe, maybe we, we churchified a little bit more and we go, oh, praise Jesus. Do you see what they're doing over there? Do you see what God's doing over there? All the while standing a safe distance from God actually doing anything in here. Or we can be the critic. Well, you know, I mean, they, 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 didn't, do it. they didn't do it the way I think it should be done. I really, really feel like their theology is not rich enough or deep enough to exp- Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, those people, they don't even really care about people. All they care about is their right theology. Oh, 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 they, all they're caring about is their tradition. We can, we can criticize things to death and we can lose out standing at a distance, never actually being changed by Jesus. Because you see, if Jesus had walked amongst those Pharisees and he touched one of those Pharisees and healed them, there'd be no complaining about how he did it. There'd be no complaining about the method by which he redeemed and restored the things that were broken. If Jesus walked out in the crowd of astonished men and women and he touched one of them, there would be no questioning of, oh, is this, could this be? Because they would be forever changed. And we have a choice every single day. We can choose to be the critic, we can choose to be the crowd, or we can choose to be changed. Now, I have a really simple way to help you understand if you're the critic or the crowd, or if you've been changed by Jesus. And here's the really simple, simple litmus test for you, okay? Are the stories you tell about the acts of God stories about what God's doing in them or about stories that God's done in you? Are they stories about what God's been doing over there in those people, in those churches, with those things? Even really great, good healing and restoring things, but are the stories you tell about what God's been doing, the stories of them or the stories of you. It's kind of like there's a, there's a, a man that Jesus heals in another spot. It's not this guy. It's, it's a different story. Um, but Jesus heals this, this one man. He's, um, uh, he's blind. And uh, the same thing happens. You know, the crowd's astonished. The, the Pharisees don't like it. So they call the guy in front of them and they say, uh, how do you do this? And the guy's like, I, I, I don't know. And they're like, well, you're not very helpful. Go away. Bring your parents in. And so they bring his parents in, and they say, is this your son? And how did he get healed? Right? And they go, I, I, I don't know. He's over there looking at things because he can now. Right? Hey, Timmy, how many numbers am I holding up? Good job, dude. Right? Like, you ask him. So he comes back in front of him, and hey, uh, how do you do this? And, and he has this really great line, really powerful, beautiful line. He says this. He says, um, I, I, I don't know. All that I know is I was once blind and now I see. That's it. That's it. 
Because people who've been touched and transformed and changed by the power of God restoring what is broken in them cannot not declare the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. I once was blind, but now I see. Are you part of the critic in the crowd that stands at a distance and watches and judges and values what God does in other people? Or have you been touched and changed by Jesus? Now here at MCC, we offer you an opportunity. We, we do this thing we call Rooted. I think it's a really great way. If your stories are, are about them, about th- those people, you may even consider yourself follower of Jesus. And, and the stories you have to tell about what God done in other people, or maybe it's what God's done decades ago. We do this thing called Rooted. We're going to do it again this fall. It's 10 weeks. It's this brilliantly simple thing that we do. We spend 10 weeks and we do what Jesus tells us to do. And then we stand back and we go, what? Like Jesus said to pray and I did it and then I had a peace. Like there's this verse that says that, that, that bring all your requests to God and the peace that surpasses all. Did you know that he wasn't lying about that? I confessed my brokenness to a brother or sister in Christ, and I found freedom. Well, maybe maybe when, when God said to confess your sins one to another, then maybe he was serious about that. And we invite you for 10 weeks to simply do what Jesus called, to decide every day to walk closer and closer to Jesus. Maybe for you. Uh, maybe for you, maybe it's just marking out 10 minutes a day that you need to pray. Maybe you need to set a reminder on your phone. Every time your, your phone goes off, it'll be annoying to everybody else in your household and everybody else at work, but every time the reminder goes off on your phone, you spend 30 seconds and you pray a little prayer. Maybe you need to spend 10 minutes before you get out of bed. I know that'll be hard for some of you because you just fall back asleep, but, but work with me here. You, you, maybe 10 minutes and you pray. Maybe, maybe, maybe what you need to commit to do is maybe you just need to commit for the next month Every, every day to walk around your block, however big your block is. Some of you live out in the country and this is going to be really painful, but it's going to be good for you. Your doctor is going to be grateful that I advise this of you, okay? You walk your block and you just pray your block. Every house you walk by, you pray for them. A simple one sentence, two sentence prayer. You choose to walk closer each day to the one who can heal and restore all that's broken in you and in this world. Maybe, maybe even right now, you need to go on Amazon and order yourself a journal, and you need to start writing prayers down. You need to start writing your hopes and your fears, and you need to start recording what God's been doing and ask God to do things in prayer, and then you need to be able to look back. You need to choose each day to walk closer to Jesus, to walk closer to the one who can heal the blind eyes, who can open the mouths of the mute, who, who, can, who, can, who can soften the bitterness of an angry heart, who can redeem and restore our broken souls. But that's not the end of the story. There's this really unexpected and really beautiful and awesome thing that happens. Uh, look with me at verse 29. Verse 29. We're going to look at 28 and 29, but we're going to look at them in reverse, Okay? So this is what it says in verse 29, okay? Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house? Jesus is just saying, let me tell you again what you just watched happen, okay? 
How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house? That's verse 29, okay? So he, here's, what, here's what I want you to see. Um, in in Jesus' day, there developed, there was a lot of messiahs, there was a lot of hope of this redeemer of the Jews that would come that the Old Testament foretold. And, uh, and so it developed into this whole theology called the messianic hope. It was really prevalent in Jesus' day. And, and what had happened is the, the rabbis looked around their world, maybe like you've done, and they saw there's a lot of brokenness in this world. There's a lot of things that shouldn't be the way that they are. And there's a lot of things where as hard as I try, I just can't seem to overcome these things. Even if our community gets all together, there's still this insidious dark thing going on inside of our communities. And so the rabbis began to teach and they would tell, yeah, there's this strong man. The, the, the illustration, the idea actually originally came from the story of David and Goliath. You remember that story? Giant of a man stands out, mocks the people of God, and they cower and hide. And the rabbis would say, no, no, listen, listen, there's a strong man. There's a Goliath in this world. There's a strong man, and this is his house. But there's a stronger one coming. It's what the whole book of Hebrews is about. It was written to a bunch of Jews to say, this is the stronger man. This is the better man. There's a new David coming. There's a new one who's going to come and step outside the ranks, and he's going to walk out, and he's going to destroy the strong man of this world that Jesus says what he's telling these people is, I'm that guy. I'm the new David. I'm the better David. I'm the great warrior. I am the greater one. I'm the stronger one who's come to kill and destroy the brokenness of this world, to plunder the house of evil, and to set free the captives and to bring life bring life. That's what Jesus is doing in this moment. He's breaking free from captivity, the darkness and the brokenness of this man. He's doing a work of God. The kingdom of God is coming to dwell inside this man. But look at verse 28. It happens right before. There's something unexpected about verse 28. It says this, but if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. You remember Matthew's great storyteller. He uses different language to make different points. He hadn't said this phrase yet. You know what he said before this? He says things like, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is in your midst. But he says something different. That when God does a work in the blind man's heart, in the demon-possessed blind and mute man's heart, when the kingdom of God enters and explodes in and breaks free the chains, when he, when he plunders the house of the evil, right, and sets free the captives, that when he does that in that one man, that something happens to the environment, to, to the world that, that that man stands in. It says this, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now here's what's curious about it. Who's he talking to? He's not talking to the man he just healed. He's talking to the Pharisees. Those who criticize from a distance that because of the work of God in the heart of this man, the kingdom of God has come upon them. That by the work of what God is doing in the heart of this man, he's already beginning to break free the bonds of the strong man, of, of the brokenness, of the decay, of the anger, of the bitterness, of the pride of the Pharisees. That when God does something in your heart, that those around you, the kingdom of God, like a wet blanket, is just laid on top of them. 
and that because of what God's doing in you, he's setting free those around you, even, uh, even beginning to set free those who are around you. It says it, it says it differently elsewhere. It says this. It says that you are ambassadors of Christ. It, here's the deal. In their day, and even in our day, anywhere the ambassador goes is the sovereign soil of the nation he represents. He walks into a space. He walks in the room. Maybe you've seen pictures or videos of this, and they'll even like go into hotel rooms, and they'll set all the flags up. And by, by international law, that room becomes the sovereign land of whatever kingdom they come from. And that anybody who enters into that room is entering into that sovereign land of that kingdom. When they drive around all those cars with the little flags that have, you know, whatever... Um, protection, right? If you get inside that car, you were inside that kingdom, that where the ambassador goes, the kingdom goes. See, here's the, here's the really good news. Here's the life-giving news. Here's why you're still here enduring the brokenness and darkness of this world is because with every foot, every step you take, you are extending out the kingdom of God, that wherever you go, that the kingdom of hope and life and freedom and grace and mercy is carrying you with you, that every time as the, as the man who was healed says, I, I don't know, but I once was blind, but now I see, you are, you are, you are allowing the kingdom of God to usher in even just a little bit into the brokenness and the pain of that person's heart and life that maybe God might begin a work in them. You see, you see, you've been given a great gift. You've been given life and freedom because of Jesus. You've been given a great hope of redemption and restoration. You've been given a great promise that God works all things together for good of those who love you. But now God has called you to go as an ambassador. To carry his kingdom out into the broken world that he might begin to restore and redeem and soften the hearts of the bitter and open the mouths of those who are closed and, and the eyes of the blind and, and, and to bring redemption and restoration because of the spirit of God working in you. You see, what Matthew doesn't want you to miss is that you can be a critic or you can be the crowd. Or you can be changed and you could be invited into a work of God in bringing redemption and restoration that every step you take, that every time you walk into your workplace, a little bit of the kingdom of God comes pouring in. That every time you walk into your household, a little bit of the kingdom of God comes pouring in. That every time you walk into your neighborhood, into your city, into the grocery store, a little bit of the kingdom of God comes pouring in. And that maybe... Maybe, just maybe, because of what God has done in you, he might begin to, to loosen the hearts of men and women, that he might bind the hearts of the evil one in our world and in our community and bring freedom and restoration and life. You have a choice. You can be the critic. You can be the crowd or you can be changed. May we all choose each day to walk closer to Jesus that he might redeem and restore what is broken in us.